The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We start with three in a row. Stocks doing something for the first time in nearly a month. As Wall Street continues to pull back from record highs, futures are currently under pressure. And today, it's all about NVIDIA. The chipmaker set to report fiscal fourth quarter results after the close Investors taking some profits ahead of that report. We're going to tee up the numbers that you should be watching. Also, speaking of tech, we're also watching Amazon and some big news for the e-commerce giant that could create a new wave of investor interest in that stock. Plus, City rewards its CEO, Jane Frazier, in a very big way. That's despite falling profits at the country's third largest bank. And then later in the show, a Kathy Wood favorite. It's falling hard in the pre-market. It's Wednesday, February the 21st. 2024, you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready for the day. We're going to kick off the hour with a check of U.S. stock futures with the major averages coming off back-to-back losing sessions and the Dow's first back-to-back loss in nearly a month. Taking a look at futures right now, you can see they are in the red across the board. It looks like the Dow would open up about 80 points lower. The Nasdaq down just about a half a percent. We'll be watching both of them throughout the morning. All right, the Nasdaq's actually leading the declines. To check on some of the top laggards in the large cap Nasdaq 100, take a look. It's names that you know very well. Palo Alto following earnings down 22%. CrowdStrike down more than 9%. You're seeing a theme here. Uh, Cybersecurity names are in here falling in sympathy with Palo Alto Networks. And speaking of tech, as we mentioned, we're watching shares of Amazon this morning. S&P Dow Jones announcing the stock will be replacing Walgreens Boots Alliance and the Dow Jones Industrial Average starting this Monday. You can see Shares of Amazon right now, they're up almost uh, one and a half, actually one and a quarter percent. Walgreens Boots Alliance falling more than three percent. We'll be talking much more about this throughout the show. And it's not just Amazon. Uber also getting a bump with news. It's now going to join the Dow Transports. It will replace JetBlue. Taking a look, similar setup here. We're seeing Uber moving higher in the pre-market, up over a half a percent. JetBlue unchanged in the pre-market. Again, we'll be talking about some of these moves later in the show. But first, a quick check on oil. North American crude trading near its highest level since mid-November. Some of this on OPEC cuts, some of it on some thoughts about uh, rate cuts here in the U.S. taking longer than expected. Down right now, but again, trading higher overall. Uh, WTI at this hour down almost a half a percent. Brent crude down just over a third of a percent. We'll continue to watch the oil market this morning as well. Okay, that is your morning setup. But today, as we look ahead, it is really all about NVIDIA and the final installment of this season's Magnificent Seven Earnings Reports. The stock coming off its worst day since October ahead of earnings. CNBC technology reporter Arjun Kapal joins me now with a look at what's ahead. Arjun, good morning. Good to see you. Good morning, Frank. Well, look, expectations are sky high for these NVIDIA earnings, and there's certainly a bit of caution coming into them, with shares in the chip giant down in pre-market trade. Analysts are expecting revenue of 20 
$1.6 billion, a 240% year-on-year increase. Wall Street also expecting net income of $10.5 billion, a whopping sevenfold increase. The biggest risk really for NVIDIA is that it doesn't meet these lofty expectations. And an even bigger risk for the stock is that it doesn't beat them by a long way. In the prior three earnings reports, NVIDIA has blown through earnings estimates by at least 10%. So investors want to see something similar. And guidance here really is going to be key. Wall Street is expecting NVIDIA to guide for $22.2 billion of revenue in the April quarter, another 200% year-on-year increase. But there will also be questions on the earnings call, no doubt, around the risks of further restrictions by the U.S. government on NVIDIA's chip exports to China. The market accounts for around a fifth of NVIDIA's revenue. And investors will also want to hear a little bit more about what kind of competitive threat NVIDIA is now facing from AMD with its latest AI chips. Expectations, as I said, sky high for this report. And there's very little room for error here from NVIDIA, Frank. That sounds like it, uh, Arjun. I heard you say risk about a dozen <laughs> times there. That clearly is the theme when it comes to this <laughs> earnings report. I want to pull back on that thread of China that you mentioned. So China, you said 20 percent of revenue. Give us a sense. What is the risk there? Is it the restrictions from the U.S.? Is there just a lower consumption risk there? What's the risk that investors should be paying attention to? Yeah, you're right, Frank. The, the problem with risk, just more broadly with NVIDIA, is this huge run-up we've seen. So whenever there is any, any kind of risk element here for a company like this, uh, you know, that could pull, uh, draw sharp pullbacks in the stock. For China specifically, one of the things we saw is, is first the U.S. imposed restrictions on NVIDIA's higher-end chips uh, to Chinese market. And so NVIDIA came up with some new chips that, that complied with those restrictions, slightly less advanced, but were still OK to ship to China. The U.S. then said, no, NVIDIA, you can't ship those chips chips to China. So NVIDIA has come up with another set of chips that comply with regulations. So the risk is the U.S. continues to ramp up this tech war with China. NVIDIA gets caught in the middle of that. And some of its less advanced chips don't go to that market. When you've got around a fifth of revenue at risk, the key here is can the uh, demand we're seeing from the likes of Microsoft and Amazon and other these hyperscalers for NVIDIA chips make up the demand that NVIDIA could potentially lose from China. And so if this uh, tech war with China escalates uh, between the U.S. and China, then, of course, with NVIDIA in the middle of that, with that much revenue at risk, that, that of course, is creating a lot of of concern for investors. All right. We got the Arjun Kapal word of the day. It's risk. Arjun, great to see you as always. Thank you. (laughs) All right. As Arjun mentioned, NVIDIA earnings seen as a key test for the broader markets and, of course, the AI-led rally. But the fanfare over the Magnificent Seven appearing to shrink just a bit. That's according to Goldman Sachs, at least, revealing in a new note, hedge funds, they scale back their exposure to stocks within that group, with the exception of Amazon during the fourth quarter. They note diverging growth estimates and signs of extremes in the market. For much more, let's bring in Gene Goldman, Chief Investment Officer, et cetera. Gene, good morning. Good to see you. Hey, good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me back on your show. Thank you. All right. So I think we got a pull on that thread that Arjun just laid out for us, the risk when it comes to this NVIDIA report. How are you viewing this? Do you see the, the, the big risk that a lot of other people uh, seem to be seeing? And then also yesterday, we definitely saw some profit taking when it came to NVIDIA and some of those other big tech names. Yeah, we definitely see a risk in the Magnificent Seven. One thing we've been telling our advisors and clients is we expect an emergence from the divergence. And the divergence is basically growth last year. Magnificent Seven has been driving everything. We, ha- we can continue to believe that basically market breadth is going to widen. You've got to own other things, not just the Magnificent Seven. So there's a lot, a lot of risk baked in to these stocks. This is why we're telling our advisors, buy value, buy small cap, buy international. These are better opportunities. And then yesterday's pullback continues what we saw late last week. You know, everyone focuses on the fact that inflation was a little bit higher in January. We get that CPI and PPI. Okay. But we really think it's just more of a profit taking. 
All right, so Jane, talk me through this. You're, you're telling uh, your portfolio managers to buy value, buy cyclicals, it sounds like, as well. At the same yes. time, I want to go to your S&P price target. It's only 5,100. That's about a 100-point rise from where we are now. Um, mm-hmm. You don't seem very optimistic about the market. So if the market's going to broaden, you also see that as being bad for the market? I mean, just explain that to me. Sure, sure. And I think our 5,100 target, this is what we laid out at the beginning of the year. That's about right. But you're maintaining it. Yeah. Yeah, we're maintaining, but we do think it's not just a 5,100 target on the S&P. It's a choppy 5,100 target. We think with market volatility, we're going to see some big swings. And one thing we've been telling our advisors, expect a ton of volatility, but there's going to be so many opportunities because we think the earnings recession is completely over. This year, earnings should rise about 10.9% for 2024. We're seeing, even in a disinflationary environment last quarter, we're seeing profit margins rise. We're pretty optimistic about these areas. We just think that it's going to be a pretty volatile period from now to the end of the year. All right. So it's choppy to 5,100, but you also say in your notes, there are buying opportunities. So, so give us one of those buying opportunities, especially in a day like today, where we're seeing so much market risk ahead of that NVIDIA report. Yeah, I think broadly speaking, the best buying opportunity would be value and small cap. We do think market breadth is widening. Yesterday, for example, equal weight outperformed market cap weight. From a sector perspective, our three main sectors are very value-oriented. Industrials, healthcare, and financials. Our favorite is financials. Financials look pretty attractive. We do think the economy is a lot better than the markets expect. We also think we will okay. see some better M&A activity. All right, Gene, in all fairness, healthcare and industrial is also trading pretty close to an all-time high as well. Gene Goldman, good to see you. Thank you very much. Great to see you, Frank. Thank you. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Silvana Hanau is here with those. Silvana, good morning. Hey, Frank, good morning to you. Well, those big changes at the country's third biggest bank by assets turning into big rewards for its chief executive. New disclosures show Citigroup boosted CEO Jane Frazier's pay by 6% last year to $26 million. This despite the bank's profits falling almost 40% over the same time. Meanwhile, Fubo TV is suing Disney, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery over the trio's recently announced sports streaming joint venture slated to roll out this fall. Now, according to a copy of the lawsuit obtained by CNBC, Fubo calls the partnership, quote, extreme suppression of competition in the U.S. sports-focused streaming market. And Jeff Bezos just sold another tranche of Amazon shares, $2 million, worth $335 million, according to a new SEC filing. Yesterday's sale brings the number of total shares sold by Bezos in the past week to $14 million, worth nearly $2.4 billion, Frank. All right, Silvana, thank you very much. We'll see you later in the show. All right, we have a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first... The NVIDIA effect being felt far and wide, including in shares of Equinix. We're going to speak with the company CEO next about the AI impact and what's ahead. Plus, a fresh $2 billion buyback is just not enough to boost shares of HSBC this morning. And then later, many more big money movers and a rough day for one of Kathy Wood's top stock picks. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Taking a look at U.S. futures, you can see in the red across the board, the Nasdaq, the hardest hit right now. Let's see how Europe is shaping up as this trading day gets underway. Our Carolyn Roth is in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Carolyn, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, Frank. And we did get this really positive handover from the Chinese markets, but that didn't fully filter through to the European equity picture. Take a look here. We're looking a little bit patchy here. The Zetradax, the CAC 40 in France, they're up. CAFO, this is Europe's biggest retailer, coming out with very strong numbers, hiking its dividend, but elsewhere. Take a look at the FTSE 100. That is dragging us lower overall. Uh, we are down here by 0.9% for the FTSE 100. Glencore reported this is one of the biggest miners in the world, and it had to cut its dividend. That's uh, putting those shares under pressure. But also want to tell you about HSBC, because HSBC posted a 78% jump in full-year pre-tax profit to a record $30.3 billion. But that fell short of expectations, because the lender also took a $3 billion impairment on its stake in China's Bank of Communications. Take a look at the shares here in London. They're down by a whopping 7.5%. And this is the biggest decline for shares since March 2020. Frank, back over to you. All right, Carolyn, thank you very much. All right, turn our attention now back to the U.S. We're watching shares of Equinix, the stock getting a boost following earnings last week. Annual revenue growing by 13% thanks to the nearly 17,000 deals that were closed in 2023. The digital infrastructure company says it's benefiting from the increased hyperscaler demand for AI and for cloud deployments. Joining me now is Charles Myers, Equinix president and CEO. Charles, good morning. Great to have you here. Morning, Frank. Good to be back. All right. So in the markets, we saw a bit of a pullback when it comes to a lot of those Magnificent Seven names and AI names yesterday. But your earnings, they told a very different story. Give us a sense. What's the demand for data centers for digital infrastructure right now specifically tied to AI? Well, I think underlying demand for uh, digital infrastructure continues to be strong, not only on AI, which I think is a catalyst overall, but really on digital transformation demand. I think people continue to see digital transformation as a strategic driver for their business. Uh, and AI is really a, a, a wave of that that, uh, that I think is uh, really driving uh, the digital infrastructure demand. All right. So let's look forward right now. A lot of people see the rally when it comes to these AI names cooling down a bit. I want to go to your guidance. So your EPS guidance, it was above estimates, but your revenue guidance, even the midpoint was just a, a tick below what the estimates are looking for. So why are you seeing so much stronger profit than you are revenue? How should investors read that? Yeah, the, you know, I think on the revenue side of things, uh, we're still seeing a little bit of what we characterize as cross currents in the business. I think uh, our customers are dealing with, uh, you know, a tougher macro climate, navigating that climate, but, you know, also, uh, I think, remaining, as I said, very committed to the digital transformation. So I think that's uh, led to a little bit of optimization activity. You know, I saw this maybe a year ago with the uh, with the hyperscalers themselves uh, in terms of a pullback on, uh, uh, on some of their usage-based revenue in particular. And uh, I think 
it was a, a, a you know question of enterprises uh, really figuring out how to best use their infrastructure, use okay. it most effectively, uh, and that's uh, that's been a little bit of the pressure on the on the revenue side. But on the profit side, I think you're seeing our the scale of our business, the investments we've made, 160 bips of margin expansion in our guide, uh, and that really driving the AFFO per share, which is the key profitability right. metric for REITs. So it sounds like you're you're maintaining pricing power, even if the revenue is a bit softer than it was before. Um, tell Absolutely. me if I'm, if I'm reading that right. OK, Absolutely. Um, so then looking ahead, we have NVIDIA coming up later today. And obviously, you know, you're not directly tied to NVIDIA besides your partnership when it comes to cloud. But how important is this report in your mind to your business? Do you think in your mind, is this a read on the demand for data centers? Is it a read on the demand for AI capabilities? Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, look, NVIDIA is a driving force in the AI market. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't know that a single report is a pivot point because I think you're seeing that, you know, that demand is there. I think customers are very interested in the returns that they can see on AI. Uh, and I think NVIDIA is going to be a key part of that. That's why we're really excited about the partnership we have with NVIDIA. And we've been building very strong pipeline with our customers uh, on this NVIDIA DGX private cloud solution. All right. Charles Meyer, CEO of Equinix. It's really great to see you again. Shares moving higher after earnings last week. Thanks again for being here. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. All right. We have a news alert for you now. The Biden administration announcing this morning it is forgiving another $1.2 billion in student debt for 153,000 borrowers. With this latest round, the Biden administration said it has approved loan relief for nearly 4 million borrowers. All right. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, Apple says its new Vision Pro is not available for sale anywhere outside the U.S., However, CNBC has learned retailers in one blacklisted country have already gotten their hands on the hot new tech. Our Eamon Jabbers investigates. Coming up next, stay with us. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. We're going to start with Solar Edge. You can see. Shares are tumbling right now, down more than 15% on weak Q1 guidance as it's struggling to clear an inventory backlog. The company says high interest rates have suppressed demand in the residential solar market. SolarEdge is also cutting 16% of its workforce. Again, shares down more than 15%. Palo Alto Networks also plunging on lowered guidance. The cybersecurity giant forecasting slower year-over-year growth for total billings and revenue. That's despite beating on both the top and the bottom lines. CEO Nikesh Arora addressing investor concerns on CNBC yesterday. We had the best earnings beat this quarter in a long time. Our margins are 29%. We beat revenue, we're closing billings, and we had phenomenal profitability and phenomenal cash flow. So there's nothing wrong with the demand function. We're forecasting that we want to take this somewhere else. And I think that's where the market's getting a little jittery. And shares of Teladoc, they're lower as well, down more than 20%. The telehealth provider warning of market saturation and offering a downbeat outlook for the current quarter. The stock is well off its pandemic highs as the company looks to cut costs and boost profits. It is also one of Kathy Wood's largest holdings in her ARK investment portfolio. Again, shares down more than 20 percent. 
All right, it's been just over two weeks since Apple's Vision Pro headset, it officially hit store shelves. Despite the tech giant saying it would only be available here in the U.S., the buzzworthy product is already finding its way onto the streets of one blacklisted country. Eamon Javers did some digging into how that's even possible as part of CNBC's new series, The Javers Files. Eamon, good morning. It's great to see you. Hey, good morning, Frank. On February 2nd, Apple launched its new Apple Vision Pro at the company's flagship store in New York. The company said the product would only be for sale in the United States. And because Apple paused its sales in Russia to protest the invasion of Ukraine just about two years ago, you would not expect the Vision Pro to be for sale at all in Russia. But a CNBC survey of Russian tech blogs, online sites, and channel checks in Moscow reveals that the Vision Pro was readily available for sale at retail outlets in Moscow within days of its launch in the United States. The fact that the hottest new American tech product was available with almost no delay in Moscow before it is officially on sale in London, Paris, or Munich is a high-profile demonstration of the difficulty of unraveling the global economy, even in an era of war and conflict. Asked about Apple Vision Pro sales in Moscow, an Apple spokesperson emailed CNBC, as you are aware, Apple Vision Pro is only available at Apple retail stores in the U.S. In the Russian capital, that statement may reflect Apple's intent, but it doesn't square with reality. A retail outlet known as ReStore, which was an official Apple reseller before the invasion, is offering the devices for sale now. But prices are high, as much as 50% more than in the U.S. Prominent Russian tech blogger Sergei Romantsev recently demoed the device walking through Moscow and says the Vision Pro sells for thousands of dollars more at stores there. Romantsev says he actually bought his device by pre-order in New York and had someone fly it to Moscow so he could demonstrate it immediately after release to his more than one million followers on YouTube. Romansev predicts the high prices in Russia will keep demand down for Vision Pro in that country. Apple sales continue because the Russian government wants them to. In 2022, the Russian Ministry of Industry and Trade issued a document permitting Apple products to be imported to Russia, even when official supplies are banned or suspended by the manufacturer. And Frank, in Russia, that rerouting of supply chains is known as parallel import. And it's part of the reason why nearly two years after the invasion and Apple's pullout of Russia, Apple products and a wide range of other luxury goods are still available in stores there. Back over to you. Uh, you know, Eamon, really just fascinating. By the way, I don't want to mess up the branding. It's the, the Javers file. So I want to make sure I get that right. Um, right. I also want to ask you. Thanks. So in, in China, we saw some people shift away from Apple products In Russia, what's been the response and what's been the relationship with Apple products since the Ukraine war began? And that was almost two years ago. Yeah, we're coming up on that two-year anniversary this weekend of that invasion. Uh, And look, you know, Apple made a big announcement at the time saying it was pausing its sales there. It was taking a number of steps uh, in in protest of the Ukraine invasion. But since then, not much in terms of daily life has changed for people in Moscow in terms of their relationship with Apple products. I've been emailing with that tech blogger, Sergey Romantsev, who has over a million followers. Uh, He demos Apple products all the time. He says there's high demand for Apple products uh, in Russia. 
Russia. People, people are fascinated by the whole Apple ecosystem up to and including, you know, the new Apple Vision Pro product, uh, you know, which is very expensive, but there is interest in it there, he says. Uh, but ultimately, if you're a resident of Moscow, the big thing that's changed is just the price. It's more expensive to get these products than it was before the invasion, but the stores are full of them and you can walk in uh, to a store, that restore location in Moscow, right. just off of Red Square uh, and get an appointment to go watch the Apple Vision Pro and, and check out all the new Apple products. All right, Apple products available in Moscow, even though Russia's been blacklisted. Later from the Javers Files, Eamon, really great to see you. Thank you very much. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, getting primed for NVIDIA results and why our Jim Cramer says the hype, it may very well be justified. Everybody has disdain for the nouveau riche, and NVIDIA is as nouveau riche as it gets. The company was worth $573 billion last year, $340 billion in 2021, and just $165 billion in 2020. And that's why there's so much skepticism. It's almost like people feel that wealth creation here smacks of alchemy. Maybe they think of visionary CEO Jensen Wong as someone like Harold Hill, the charismatic con artist, also known as the music man. I think that's absurd. It is right around 5.30 a.m. in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. The stock slide is set to continue. Markets coming off their second straight negative session. Right now, futures are in the red. Investors are also bracing for what is seen as the key driver for the markets this week. That is NVIDIA earnings. But could the bar be too high after a monstrous run for that stock? And the EV price war is heating up further as automakers battle worries about a slowdown in sales. We're going to take you all around the world for a look at whether demand for these vehicles is running out of juice. It's Wednesday, February the 21st. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start the day. We're going to pick up the half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. The major indices coming off back-to-back negative sessions. Take a look right now. You can see in the red across the board, but off of the lows of earlier today. Earlier, looked like the Dow would open up about 80 points lower. Now, it's about 50 points lower. The Nasdaq also pretty uh, well off of its lows of earlier this morning. We also want to take a look at some of the biggest laggards in the Dow right now. Taking a look, Walgreen Boots Alliance, some of that's off the news that it would be leaving the Dow. Uh, United Health also lower down about a half a percent. Similar stories for Salesforce. That's a company that actually entered the Dow just about four years ago. We'll be talking about that in just a bit. Also, Nike, American Express, unchanged right now. So speaking of Walgreens, S&P Dow Jones announcing it's dropping the stock from the Dow Jones Industrial Average and replacing it with Amazon starting on Monday. You're seeing Amazon moving higher in the pre-market, up one and a quarter percent. As we mentioned, Walgreens Boost Alliance down over two and a half percent. And it's not just Amazon. Take a look. Shares of Uber, they're also getting a bump with news. It's joining the Dow Transports replacing JetBlue. Uber shares up just over a half a percent. Okay, that's your morning setup. Now to what has been one of the biggest money movers for more than a year now. Of course, we're talking about NVIDIA reports fiscal fourth quarter results after the close and Wall Street is setting the bar sky high. That could be why the stock it fell nearly four and a half percent yesterday. That was its worst day in four months. It shed seventy eight billion dollars in market cap, the largest daily loss in its history. Analysts expect net income increased by seven times, rising to $10.5 billion. Estimates have revenue more than tripling to $20.6 billion. Sales from NVIDIA's data center business, which include AI chips, expected to rise nearly fourfold to $17 billion. For much more on what to expect, let's bring in Tim Arbanowitz, 
head of research and investment strategy at Innovator ETFs. NVIDIA makes up about 5% of the firm's NASDAQ 100 managed floor ETF, which launched last month. Tim, good morning. Great to have you here. Great to be with you, Frank. All right, so Tim, give us a sense. We had uh, one of our reporters on, Arjun Kapal, earlier today. He kept mentioning the risk when it came to this report. Yesterday, it appears that we saw a lot of profit-taking when it came to NVIDIA. Shares were down big. How do you view this report, and is it an inflection, is it an inflection point, I should say, when it comes to this AI trade, this Magnificent 7 trade? It, it absolutely is, Frank. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't think the stakes could be much higher. I view this as the biggest macro event that we've seen since the last Fed meeting. Not big just for the stock, but big for the market as a whole. And, and really, with where investor expectations are, NVIDIA has to deliver. In yesterday's session, we did see a lot of profit taking. If you look at the activity that we saw in the options market, uh, call options, much more heavily skewed volume to the bid than the offer there. And I would anticipate that you're going to see probably similar activity in today's session for the simple fact that with expectations as high as they are, risks are much more skewed to the downside than they are to the upside. NVIDIA okay. has been the poster child of this AI move, and they need to a deliver here. Absolutely. So you, like a lot of other people, steal a lot of risk to the downside. But NVIDIA just has continued to move higher despite all expectations, concerns about valuation, thoughts that this whole AI chip story may have already run its course. So you gave us the downside risk. What is the, what's the upside? What do, where do you see as the potential upside when it comes to this report? Well, I, I do think there's a possibility that we could be heading into an irrational market, in, in, into a bubble forming with all this hype going around AI. If that is the case, there's going to be significantly higher upside to this stock. I do think we need to step back and be realistic, though. If you look at the move that we saw last year, NVIDIA up 239%. That is a massive move. They're already on pace to exceed that this year. If we were to see the same move in 2024 that we saw in 2023, that would put NVIDIA's market cap higher than that of Microsoft. Meanwhile, last year, it generated about 12% of the revenue of Microsoft. So I think here, yes, there might be more upside, but we have to take a step back and think about what is realistic. Right. And overall, investors need to slow down with their expectations on the stock. So, Tim, even on the upside, you don't seem that positive about this stock. I want to bounce something off you. We played it for the audience before you came on from Jim Cramer. Kramer basically saying NVIDIA has actually gotten cheaper if you look at it on an earnings basis because the earnings are growing faster than the stock. What would be your response to that? Because obviously Jim Kramer, well-known stock picker and you know, named his dogs after NVIDIA, uh, very bullish on the stock still. It, and he does have a point. If you look at the, the, the valuation, we're actually trading at one of the, the cheaper levels that we've seen uh, over the last five years for the stock itself. I do think one of the positives for this stock, if you look at the commitment to AI infrastructure spend in the marketplace. We've seen a lot of firms come out with, with pretty strong commitments. Uh, if you look at Microsoft, Meta, Amazon, all of these companies looking to put the, the infrastructure in place, that's going to be very positive for, for NVIDIA as a whole. But uh, that is a bigger question mark longer okay. term. We need to continue to see that demand. If there's one place that we cannot see NVIDIA miss today, it's with that data center business. Okay. Speaking of long term, uh, the market's implying a move of just about 11 percent post earnings. That could be to the upside or the downside. How do you play it if it goes either way? Give us a very quick sense. Do you buy more NVIDIA if you're an investor out there, if it goes to the downside? If it's to the upside, is it time to take more profits? Well, we think right now it's all about getting the exposure with the risk management in place. You mentioned the, the QFLR strategy on the NASDAQ. The managed floor, we think that is a very timely strategy to be able to get exposure to tech 
You have about a, a, a five and a half, six percent weighting to NVIDIA. You know, there is significant downside if they miss. Let's not forget, this is a stock that's seen 80 percent plus drawdowns multiple yeah. times, 40 percent drawdown back Got in it. 2018. All about risk management here and maintaining that exposure. All right. Tim Morbanowitz, we've got to leave it there. Thank you very much for being here. Great to be with you, Frank. All right. We have another news alert for you this morning. The Biden administration announcing a series of steps this morning to create new federal rules aimed at better securing the nation's ports from potential cyber attacks. Part of that will involve the president signing an executive order establishing new requirements specifically for China-owned and manufactured cranes based in the U.S. You can find more about this story over at CNBC.com. All right, turn our attention now to EVs, specifically Tesla. Shares under pressure again this morning after falling 3% yesterday. That drop coming as Ford announced it was cutting prices on its Mustang Mach-E electric SUV after sales fell sharply last month. That pullback for Ford, likely part of a larger trend around EVs. Our Phil Abo joins us now for a deeper look at the EV global slowdown. Phil, good morning. Frank, we're in the midst of a global price war when it comes to EVs. We've talked about it at length in China. That story we'll talk a little bit more about in just a little bit. We're seeing it here in the United States, and it's also happening in Europe. Yesterday, I was talking with the CEO of Stellantis, Carlos Tavares. He says when you look at EVs, not just in China and in Europe, but also here in the United States, affordability is one of the primary issues. If you're going to grow the market, you've got to bring down the cost of manufacturing as well as the price for uh, the EVs that are going to be sold. And there are also range issues, charging station availability, the reliability of charging stations. So we thought it would be a good time to step back, take a look at what's happening with the EV markets around the world, starting first in China with our Eunice Yu. Phil, here in China, one out of every three cars sold is an EV. The biggest sellers are BYD, Tesla, and state-owned GAC. BYD had the five most popular battery and plug-in hybrids last year, with prices ranging from $16,000 to $30,000. Tesla is still on top on the high end, with its bestseller, the Model Y, at $37,000 to $50,000. The ranges of the BYDs are around 250 to 375 miles, the Model Y in the 340 range. EVs appeal to China's wealthy, tech-savvy, and environmentally conscious, but increasingly to those on a budget after years of government subsidies promoted production and infrastructure. The government's ratio of EVs to charging points is around 2.5 to 1, with economically developed provinces and cities like Beijing and Shanghai most equipped. Now over to Arabile Gumede for a look at the EV landscape in Europe. The latest data shows that Over 20% of new car registrations in Europe were electric vehicles, more than 2 million in one year. But the likes of VW, Renault, Stellantis, Mercedes and Volvo, all developing competitive models for this market. Best sellers like the Fiat 500e, Volkswagen ID and Tesla's Model Y and 3 retail at upwards of $40,000. And the race has heated up. With competition for Tesla and Chinese car makers NIO and BYD, which see the block as a massive market for new factories in countries like Hungary and Norway. The longest ranging EVs on sale in Europe this year will be able to travel over 350 miles in a single charge. This is important, as while France and the Netherlands boast a comprehensive charging network, 
the UK and Germany lag when it comes to that infrastructure. Now, some European countries have decided to pull the plug on EV subsidies. This adds some uncertainty to the year ahead and makes the development of a mass market model even more important to maintaining demand in Europe. One more note about EVs and their sale of uh, electric, the sale of electric vehicles in Europe. Our digital team went to Norway, which has one of the highest adoption rates of any country in the world. And what they found was a country that is expanding its charging network. But even as it expands its charging network, there are still some people who have not adopted an electric vehicle. It's an interesting look at one of the hottest markets when it comes to EVs. And finally, there is South America. And you might be saying to yourself, well, how big of a market is South America? When it comes to electric vehicles, it's still in the developmental stages. But there are markets down there where the Chinese are saying, we want to be a big player. Not just when it comes to EVs, Frank. Next week, we'll be in Santiago, Chile, where we'll look at the imports, uh, the import of electric or Chinese-made vehicles some of them being electric, but a lot of them being internal combustion engine vehicles. We'll be live in Chile next week to take a look at that market and show you why the Chinese are increasingly targeting not just South America, not just Mexico, but markets around the world as great places for them to export their vehicles. You know, really fascinating, Phil. I remember a few years ago, Elon Musk said that the Chinese EV makers weren't really competitors. And now you see them all around the globe, uh, you know, going for market share. Phil LeBeau, looking forward to that. Also, your full stories on CNBC.com, looking at EVs in Europe and China. Great stuff as always. Thank you. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, your morning call sheet and why one firm says it's losing its appetite for shares of Wendy's. Those shares down 1.5% right now. Stay with us. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It's time now for your morning call sheet. We're going to start with J.P. Morgan downgrading its rating and price target on Wendy's moving it to neutral and 199 per share. JPM saying the stock is likely to remain range bound as competitive price and capital intensity picks up. As we mentioned earlier, shares down one and a half percent. HSBC downgrading its rating on Home Depot, moving it uh, lower. HSBC saying uh, headwinds for the home improvement giant will continue this year. And the stock's valuation is just a bit too rich. Shares of Home Depot right now down about a half a percent. And Morgan Stanley hiking its price target on Dell ahead of earnings to $100 per share. Morgan Stanley saying while it's a, it's a mixed setup for those results, there's still a lot to like about the company this year, including its attractive valuation. Shares of Dell down fractionally right now. It's also time for your global briefing. Chinese authorities cracking down on computer-driven quant funds in an effort to boost its falling stock market under new rules. Funds that rely on automated exchanges will be required to report their investment strategies to regulators before they begin trading. Shares of HSBC, they are under pressure after flagging impairment costs from its stake in a Chinese bank. Full-year profit missing estimates, though, still growing nearly 80 percent to a record $30 billion. The company also announcing up to $2 billion in additional share buybacks. And Rio Tinto will pay just over $7 billion in dividends, and that's despite a drop in earnings. A disappointing post-pandemic recovery in China continues to weigh on profit, which fell 12% in the last year. The stock falling to a three-month low this week due to growing concerns over steel demand. Shares of Rio Tinto down one and three quarters of a percent. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus investors. They're just bracing for those NVIDIA results. The dynamics our next guest says could be critical in those earnings and could provide more fuel for the rally. 
And during February, CNBC is celebrating black heritage. As we had to break, here is Sharon Epperson with a closer look at the numbers around black-owned businesses. Black-owned businesses grew almost 5% from 2019 to 2020, according to the most recent government data. That's lower than Hispanic and Asian-American business growth. Experts say more action is needed to further these advances. Celebrating Black Heritage, I'm Sharon Epperson. All right, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We start with Citigroup CEO Jane Frazier's salary jumping by 6% last year to $26 million. This despite the bank's profits falling almost 40% over that same time period. Fubo TV is suing Disney, Fox, and Warner Brothers Discovery over the trio's recently announced sports streaming joint venture. According to a copy of that lawsuit obtained by CNBC, Fubo calls the partnership, quote, extreme suppression of competition. Jeff Bezos selling 2 million more shares of Amazon worth $335 million. This brings the total number of shares sold by Bezos in the past week to 14 million. French manufacturing giant St. Gobain confirming its offer to buy Australian rival CSR for $2.8 billion. It's a price that represents a 34% premium to CSR's closing price yesterday. Palo Alto Networks plunging on lower guidance. The cybersecurity giant forecasting slower year-over-year growth for total billings and revenue despite beating on both the top and the bottom lines. You can see shares are down more than 22%. Teladoc also lower. Telehealth provider warning of market saturation and offering a downbeat outlook for the current quarter. The stock is one of Kathy Wood's largest holdings within her ARK investment portfolio. Those shares down more than 21%. All right, here's what to watch today. We got earnings from analog devices, Wingstop, Etsy, and of course, NVIDIA. Also, fresh comments from Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic and Fed Governor Michelle Bowman. Also, a pair of can't-miss interviews right here on CNBC. First, an exclusive with Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan at 9 a.m., and then a first on CNBC interview with Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger at 1 p.m. All right, markets are set to extend their back-to-back losses with NVIDIA's results After the bell, in focus, taking a look at futures, as we mentioned all morning long, they are in the red, however, off of their lows of earlier today. Joining me now, Amy Wu-Silverman, head of derivative strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Amy, good to see you as always. Good to see you, Frank. You know, Amy, I think we got to start with NVIDIA. So much attention on NVIDIA. I thought this was interesting. We saw what appeared to be some profit taking on NVIDIA yesterday. But you say, according to the options market, there's the most bullish exuberance we've seen since May of 2023. That's right, Frank. And if you remember what happened in May of 2023, uh, shares were up about 24% on that earnings, which I would argue probably kicked off the AI frenzy. You're actually seeing that level of call exuberance in the options market now, very similar to back in May. And I think part of it is just that the right tail is your new left tail. This is what people are afraid of. They're afraid of missing out. They're afraid of that FOMO. They got to dip one toe in the pool. And one way to do that is through options. Yeah, FOMO. It's really been powering this market a lot of times when people thought a lot of these stocks were too richly valued. I want to talk to you about another magnificent seven name, Amazon, joining the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. But the thing I want to talk to you about is what happens when companies go into the Dow. I'm going to show the audience right now. This is a, a board with a number of companies that joined the Dow back in August of 2020. They include Salesforce, Honeywell and Amgen. And you see they've actually kind of underperformed since then. What do you make of Amazon joining the Dow? Obviously, it doesn't mean anything for the fundamentals of the company, but what does that say to you? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because I agree with you. Look, it may not mean anything to the fundamentals, but if you remember back to when Tesla did its share split, that also shouldn't have done anything to the fundamentals, but it did. And I think this is the same type of thing where, you know, we live in a world where passive investing is very important. Index inclusion is very important. And what you have is the more people have some ability to buy it or have some need to get exposure to it, the more important it becomes. And part of the reason I believe that Dow Jones included it was because it had underperformed peers like NASDAQ or S&P by so much because they did not have these names. To me, what happens is you're going to get even more concentration in these seven names where so much wealth is held. You know, we're spending a lot of time talking about Magnificent Seven. We're just going to keep it going. New note from Goldman showing that hedge funds, they cut their exposure to the MAG7 with the exception of, of, of Amazon during Q4. And they note divergent growth estimates and signs of extremes in the market. Uh, I want to go back to you when it comes to the whole Magnificent Seven, not just NVIDIA. What are you seeing in the options market? Look, what we continue to see in the options market is this call buying, this exuberance. Now, I want to be clear, this doesn't necessarily mean that people are actually quite bullish. I think what it could also mean is that people are losing their exposure or maybe they're buying other things to widen the breadth of the market. They still want to, again, keep one toe in the water. One way to do that is options, because that way you could quickly participate in that upside if you need to. We think strategies like stock replacements, where you do sell some shares that have done quite well, replace them with calls, is one strategy to do that. You know, by the way, Amy, uh, stock replacement, that is your WEX word of the day today. We're going to show the audience that. But with that in mind, how do you see stock replacement influencing this trading day ahead? You know, I think when you think about what the market gives you, this is the kind of trade that the market's giving you, meaning people are very over-concentrated. I would call them almost reluctant bulls when it comes to fundamentals and valuations. But again, they feel that need to participate. This is a way where you can offload some of your shares, still keep participation, but maybe also have more dry powder for something else that is more attractive because, you know, you have a little bit more ammo when you're in calls as opposed to just the shares. All right, Amy, we got to go. But you're saying right now when things go pear-shaped, you want to consider Canada. Give us the Canada play, the elevator pitch very quickly. Quick pitch on elevator for Canada is that it tends to be a leading indicator in terms of downside, particularly in right. housing right now. That is why we're looking at ZEB, which is a proxy to play that through hedges. Obviously, hedges haven't worked in the U.S. We think they could work better in Canada. All right. So people are, are looking for loonies and toonies. They want to turn to Canada. Amy Wu Silverman, always great to see you. Thank you very much. One Thank quick you. look at futures before we let you go. As we mentioned all day, they are in the red, but off of their lows of earlier. Squawk Box coming up next. Thanks for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.